are listening to The Breakfast Show. You're with Lawson and Monica. Monica, we need another quiz. This is quiz number four. Mm-hmm. Who was the high priest during the time of Zechariah? Oh, okay. Mm. 0491-064-669. Who was the high priest in the time of Zechariah? I think I know the answer to this one. Yeah? Like, just off, off rip. Do you want to write it in the air for me? Uh, oh, this is risky. Okay. <laughs> okay. This, and then this, and then this, and then this. Yeah, 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 got it. Yeah, yes, I do, because I'm you smart. Do, okay. You do not win a prize. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> this is kind of obscure, but there is a famous passage talking about this person in the book of Zechariah. So, hey, maybe you know it. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. Of course, our prize for today and for every day this week, as we're going to be spinning that wheel, is Daniel, Practical Living in the Judgment Hour. So, 0491 064-669. We also want to remind people that they can jump onto our website, faithfm.com.au, and they're able to, uh, oh, they're able to go to the website and they're able to put information in to be able to win a draw that we're having for merchandise. If you want Faith FM merchandise, hoodies, shirts, hats, I own all of those things and they all look really cool. Mine are in sizes that are way too big for me because I'm about that style. I think I have... A, uh, I have one of the Faith of M shirts in a triple XL. I know that you might not be that size, but it will be a blessing to you. So zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. There's actually lots of different ways that you can enter our merchandise drawers. Go head over to our Facebook, head to our website, and you can be blessed by doing that. Hey, we've got a bunch of text messages coming in, Monica, about schools. And people's experiences with schools. We talked about our experiences with schools, but I want to read this first one here from Braden. He says, I went to an Adventist school uh, and I was definitely blessed by my education. The teachers there cared about the students' uh, outcome and I am still in contact with some of my teachers. That's awesome because I believe Braden is a teacher himself. I think secular students should be encouraged to go to Christian schools, but changing what the school stands for is a definite no. And that's in capitals, no. It is the same if secular people attend church. We don't change the sermons to make them feel less convicted about their sins. Mm. I'm also sending my kids to the same school I went to because I believe in the values that they promote. And given the situation I'm in now, having a spiritual influence at school is very important and a blessing. My additional thoughts on sex education is a parent should step up and give their kids the correct age-appropriate sex education. That is like the A1 model right there. Yeah, we yeah. want to wholeheartedly recommend you know, parents being parents in this regard uh, and being a blessing to their children by teaching them sexual education. I think that there still is potentially a place for it in schools because of maybe potentially a lack of parents stepping up. But then, again, there's big questions surrounding, okay, but in what way is sex- sexual education being taught? Did your parents try to give you the talk? Yeah, uh, but I think m- I can't remember if my talk came before or after the school gave me the talk. Oh, so you don't remember how old you were? I think no, no, no. I de- it definitely came before. It definitely came before, mm-hmm. and this is because of. I think this is this is the reason it's so important. There was an incident in my childhood. Uh, I'm calling it an incident because I, I think something that that wasn't very good. 
is when I was around nine, eight, nine years old, I was exposed to pornography by a friend of mine. They'd come over and jumped on my computer and they were like, Lawson, check this out. And it wasn't my computer. It was the family computer. We were home. Uh, we, I think I was eight and he was 10. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time, you know, we, we used to ride motorbikes together and our dads were out in the sheds, you know, working on the bikes and we were just hanging out. And he's like, yo, check this out. And jumps on the computer and all of a sudden, you know, this whole new world of mm-hmm. pornography, you know, um, you know, blew up in my face. And I think that my parents had seen the history of the computer. And so then that led to the beginnings of those conversations. And so I, I wish, though, that... And this is the difficulty is because of how young kids are being exposed to things like that. And it's like, how then do you be age appropriate while preemptively giving them the right information to be able to process something like that? Because I think that it it would have been good to have some preemptive, you know, framework to be able to understand what was going on. Because I remember, I remember just seeing something like that and just being absolutely bewildered, but again, you know, excited and interested as most kids are in response Mm -hmm. to seeing something like that, because it's like, wow, what is this? What is going on? Mm -hmm. But Hey, interesting stuff. We've also got a text message from Rachel. She says, from the point of view of a teacher, I think an understanding of human reproduction is important in that there will be talk about how sex leads to this it would be best if parents did also partner with teachers and vice versa to help students uh, to be able to understand reproduction. Uh, Put in the light of being made in God's image and the important Genesis call to be fruitful and multiply. I think the verses about older women teaching and mentoring younger women and older men teaching and mentoring younger men in the church should also be uh, see these talks play out in these kinds of relationships. P.S. Shout out to Covenant Christian School uh, in Canberra as well. Oh, thanks, Rachel. I'm, I'm assuming that's, she said she's a teacher. I'm assuming that's where she works. And I hope that that's been a, a blessing to her and that she's a blessing in that school to the students. But I think, I, again, if my teacher has this kind of viewpoint that, hey, let's teach reproduction Let's teach sex in accordance to the model that heaven has given us. That will be a blessing to children. So absolutely. Hey, 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer and oh, to the quiz. And also if you want to give us any information or let us know what you think about this topic on sexual education in schools. And, you know, again, the reason we're talking about this is in the first hour, I was talking about a, a news story in which the UN is calling for the, the, the UN is uh, calling for English schools to repeal the ability for for parents to be able to opt their children out of sexual education, which again, in the context in which sex is taught by people who have a view of sex that you don't agree with is a very, I think, difficult thing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning, and we are going to continue on with our Bible study. We've been looking at the mark of the beast and the seal of God. And yesterday we talked about the cosmic struggle. We talked about evil and we talked about the faith of Jesus and how it's Jesus's faith, you know, his faith shown by the fact that he hung on a cross and died for us is just so incredibly, unimaginably greater and above any faith that we could possess. Again, the faith of Jesus to be able to love a human race who is completely killing him and condemning him, yet he hangs on the cross for them. 
out of his great love for them and his foresight and his belief that he will be able to, you know, save people through his death, that people will be saved. Now, we see the great faith of Jesus in that, and we also see that the Bible is calling us to have the faith of Jesus. And we talked about, well, how does that take place? Or oh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to talk about why it's so important to have this kind of faith. And we've touched a little bit on it as we've been going through uh, the study this week. We talked about how the Bible says that at the end of time, there is coming a struggle such as there never was, persecution such as there has never been for those who follow Jesus. And why then there is such a need for people to be able to have the faith of Jesus. So, Monica, if you can jump into Revelation chapter 13, we're going to pick it up right in in the uh, in the thick of it here. Revelation chapter 13, and we're going to begin reading in verse 11. And I'd love if you can read for me from verse 11 to verse 13. I am reading the NKJV, and it says this, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Okay, so we see that this beast or this nation, as uh, the Bible prophecy refers to uh, it in a symbolic sense. So we know that in Bible prophecy, beasts equal nations. So this nation rises up or this institution or, you know, this body or collective, uh, rises up and it has two, uh, horns like a lamb. It speaks like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast and it causes all who dwell on the earth to worship the first beast who deadly, whose deadly wound was healed. Now, the first beast in this prophecy is a, an entity, an organization that is leading people People towards the worship of idolatry and the worship of Satan rather than the worship of God. Well, I would say the worship of Satan and self, and it's doing so as an institution. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. Now, the Bible says that this first beast, it receives a wound, a mortal wound, but is supernaturally healed. And during this time of receiving a, a mortal, deadly wound, that this next beast rise up, or this next institution that does the first beast's bidding. So, got an institution, it's working on behalf of Satan to lead people away from God. We then see it, it is affected in a, in a terrible way. It's, you know, almost, almost killed, but still living. And during that time, another institution rises up to do its bidding and to turn people towards it rather than towards God, to get people to worship it, essentially. It does this, we read in verse 13, it says, He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. So we see here that this institution, in getting people to turn towards it and turn towards Satan and turns towards self instead of turning towards Jesus and God is doing a pretty good job at convincing people. Um, it's performing these signs and these miracles and the whole world is, you know, witness to these signs and miracles. And the Bible even says that the whole world will worship 
it as a result of this. So it's it's doing a, a fantastic job at convincing people. Now, I don't want to necessarily get into completely identifying who these beasts or these characters or these institutions are. I think I can leave that for another day. Rather, I want to comment on the way in which it goes about this. Because firstly, we see that it performs signs and miracles. And as a result, people are convinced. I, I talked about, I remember a couple of weeks ago talking about it on the show, being convinced by by signs and miracles. Being, I was down in Melbourne and there was a card magician down there and some of the tricks he was doing, I just could not explain. I was like, okay, there's there's got to be a way to be able to do this, but his sleight of hand is just so tricky. How is he getting something into my hand that I wasn't previously holding without me noticing? Like just absolutely wild stuff. Uh, but, you know, I was... At the same time, I'm like, oh, this is just a card trick. But, you know, I'm convinced, like, wow, this guy has the skills. And, and man, maybe something is do- dodgy is going on here. I, I was questioning it. I'm like, man, is this is this supernatural? And I'm like, nah, surely not. No, it's just sleight of hand. But then, I'm, you know, I start questioning because of how convincing these these miraculous, and I'm, I'm putting air quotes up there, miraculous things were. Like, it really, really was convincing. Now... This beast, it does miraculous signs in front of the people, and it says that heaps of people are convinced. But for us who read the Bible, who know the Bible, who are in the Word deeply, who are connected with Jesus, standing steadfastly with Him, the Bible is giving us the information to be able to not fall for its miraculous signs or tricks, right? And so I was like, okay, sweet, awesome. Like, okay, I can see that that is a trick. I can see that what's doing isn't correct. It isn't right. It isn't on behalf of God. I don't want to worship the beast. And so I'm, I'm all G. I'm, I'm getting through it. So then the question is, well, then what method would it use for those people? Is it just continuing to do, is it just continuing on with signs and miracles that will convince a lot of people, but, you know, the people who are following Jesus truly have already seen through? Well, what way does it go about this? Let's pick it up. Do you want to continue to read in verse 14, Monica? And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Mm. So we see here that it, you know, causes fire to to come down from heaven and, you know, deceive those who dwell on the earth. And, yeah, make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword. Now, keep reading. Let's continue through verse 15. And just keep reading until I say stop. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Okay. So, stop right there. So, we see the flip side here. Many people are convinced by the miraculous signs. They're like, wow, this is amazing. And... Again, fire coming down from the earth in the sight of in the sight of man. I've talked about this on the show before. It's you know, a lot of people have looked, at, particularly in the evangelical world, they look at this passage and they're like nuclear bombs. But this isn't nuclear bombs or anything like that. No, this is alluding back to the Old Testament story of Elijah calling fire down from heaven in the sight of humanity to convince them that God is real. Now it says that this beast here getting people to earn to turn towards the worship of the first beast, getting people to turn towards the worship of self and of Satan is doing a similar thing. It's making miraculous signs that will convince people to turn towards it and worship it in the same way that Elijah called fire down from heaven to get people to to turn away from Baal, you know, a fake pagan god, to 
the, to Yahweh, the God of the Bible. It sounds like a death penalty attached to that too. But this is, yeah, So, but this is the big thing. Many people are convinced. They're like, yep, we're going to worship the first beast. But what about those people who aren't convinced? And the solution for them is, oh, well, we'll just... Kill you. Kill them. Yeah. yeah, that's right. For those people who are standing with Jesus, who aren't convinced by the fake signs and the fake miracles, it's like, yep, we are going to kill them or we're going to persecute them. Now, persecution in the Bible is not new. In fact, we see religious persecution all the way from the start of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 4. Actually, let's read it, Monica. Do you want to go to Genesis chapter 4 for me? And do you want to pick it up in verse 1? We'll read the first couple of verses, verse 1 and 2. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So we have a tale of two brothers here, similar to you had a tale of two sisters, right? The, yeah. the twins uh, this morning in our, in our good news section. So we have the tale of two brothers here. One's name is Cain and he is a, sh- uh, he, no, sorry, he's not a shepherd. Abel is a shepherd. Cain is a, a gardener. A, a yeah. He's, you know, in the, in the fields and, you know, in the, in the garden and he's not in the, the garden of Eden because of course the humanity has been locked out. Uh, from there, but he's, you know, making all this produce and making all this, you know, these vegetables and these foods, which would be incredibly, you know, invaluable and important work at this time as humanity didn't eat meat. Um, they were, they were vegetarians still, even after the floor fall, it's not until the, the time, the flood of Noah in which, uh, humanity is permitted then to eat meat. And so this time, uh, we've got, Cain uh, here, he's like got this really important job of being, you know, a a, a gardener and working and growing all these plants. And his name Cain, it's even well the difference between the name Cain and Abel. Abel means like vapor or like nothing basically, <laughs> because Abel comes along and he's given the job of shepherd, which in the ancient world, all the way back then, um, in the job in in the ancient world, a shepherd is seen as like one of the most lowly roles you could possibly have. Mm. Like incredibly humble work. I know here in Australia because you know shepherds sheep are worth lots of money, and so shepherds are making bank. But but back in this time, uh, and I'm not all shepherds. I'm not trying to generalize. But uh, back in this time, yeah, she- being a shepherd is seen as one of the most lowly jobs you can have. So we see this disparity between them. Now, uh, do you want to pick it up and read verse three and four for us? And in the process of time, it came that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Mm. So now we see some some difficulties. The, the lowly shepherd brother brings the right offering to God and the other brother brings the wrong offering to God. Now, I've, you know, I remember seeing videos about this from like atheists being like, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. They both, both brought their best. And, and there is some sympathy that can go along with Cain here, but ultimately it's not what God asked for. That's right. It's God is like, Hey, the it's off- not about bringing your best is about being obedient, being obedient. Yeah. And the obedience here is alluding to the fact that they have sinned. Mm. It, it is in innately pagan to try to offer things to God, to appease him from your own work. The reason that they were bringing a lamb is not because there was a number of lambs that could satisfy God, but because it was an object lesson for the fact that Jesus had to die for their sins. There was no amount of produce that Cain could give that would live up 
to what God wanted from Cain. And there's also no, if, if Abel rocked up and said, I'm giving you 50 lambs, God, that would also be missing the point. Mm. The whole point here is an object lesson of don't worship self. Don't worship me to appease me. Don't do anything for appeasement. No, this is all about restoring the relationship that we have between each other, between God and humanity. And we need that restoration needing to happen because of the now existence of sin. But the only way that that happens is through the death of Jesus Christ. The reason you bring a lamb is not because you have something to offer to God, but because God has offered you everything. And we're going to see in our next section, we'll read the story and explore it a little bit more um, as to what the result is of this wrong offering being brought and how that even that mentality affects us today. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. That was Lantern Music with Put On Love. You are listening to The Breakfast Show. You are vibing. I was loving You're feeling it. You love the, like, I I call that royalty-free music. (laughs) Like, as a joke. No, I I, I like it, but it's just, so if you know anything about YouTube during the 2010s, do people playing ukulele with the bells going in the background? That is that will trigger you because it's like every single video tutorial. I'm okay, guys. Let's uh, oh, you know, I can see you doing your your crocheting this morning. I'm gonna teach you how to cross stitch, and then it'll be like do 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 do, and then someone like playing the ukulele, and then they'll teach you how to do it. It's uh, I love a ukulele. You're you're about it though. I'm glad you came out of that not scarred like I did because I was like, man, I just want to learn how to. I just, I just want to learn how to cross stitch or I don't know. I just want, I just want to learn how to do something without obnoxious ukulele. But that was fantastic. That was great. By the way, I'm not cross stitching. I don't, I don't know what you do. I don't, I don't know anything about, about the gentle arts. Yeah. I just don't. Hey, you're listening to the breakfast show here on Faith FM and we've got one last quiz. Monica. Final one for the morning. Get your chance in before our big draw are happening mm. next. What Roman ruler expelled all the Jews out of Rome in the days of the early church? Bit of a difficult one. Oh, wow. What Roman ruler expelled all the Jews out of Rome in the days of the early church? Mm. 0491064669 is the number to call or text. Got a couple of text messages coming through. If parents did sex education the way God would like us to, the children would not need this at school. Hundred percent. Like I, I totally agree. Simultaneously, do parents do this sexual no, education the totally. way that God would like us to? And the answer is no. And I'm not taking a shot at Christian parents here. I'm taking a shot at parents. Parents. Yeah. Like it's this is like one of the big difficulties of the modern Western world or the modern world in general. Like uh, that people aren't following God, so there is a need. And I, I think that's where Christian schools can actually take an opportunity to inform kids um, of, you know, sexual education in a in a way that's a blessing to them. I have another text message here. I, I love this text message. It says, if they didn't eat meat, why did they shepherd sheep? And the answer is because they got cold. <laughs> and Well, because, you know, we know that after the fall of humanity that they tried to make for themselves clothes out of fig leaves and God was like, mm-mm, and then God, we know, he... Uh, it was the first ever sacrifice. The sheep died and he took the skin of the sheep with the wool on it and, and made clothing for Adam and Eve. And so there was a ongoing need then for clothing for humanity. And that exists all the way up to this day. Fabrics and, you know, all kinds of things that you can, cause you can sew fabric and yeah. all kind of stuff out of um, wool. So yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. For the wool and for the skin, that was the, the, the main thing. And so also for, for offering and sacrifice, as we were just talking about, the reason God is requiring a lamb for sacrifice rather than fruit or vegetables or oil or children or, or anything else is because a, a lamb is the only thing that can represent what Jesus has done for us. Now, we know that you can bring other sacrifices to the Lord. We know you can bring a bull. We know that you can bring doves. And usually that was based on social economic class or that was based on the type of sacrifice taking place. But but the message of all sacrifice was to point towards the fact that God was doing everything for you. God was the one making salvation possible for you rather than you appeasing God to make it possible for yourself. This was the big message. And this is the exact thing that Cain misunderstood and, and completely missed. And as a result, got really angry and upset. And can you read for us from verse 6 to verse 8? So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you that you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Ooh, wow. I think this type of self-serving worship always leads to violence when people get in the way of it it usually for cain here interestingly it had to do with identity because cain is offering the best of what he could give and god was like well this isn't correct it's not obedience god said you know god is no respecter of persons or identity god is a respecter of of obedience and following him and doing what is right in his eyes because as we know from what the Bible says, uh, the way that seems right to man leads to calamity and destruction. And so despite Cain's thinking of, oh, no, you should accept my offering that comes from a place of, you know, my identity as a, as a, as a gardener, you should just accept what I have to give. God is like, but no, it's, it's not right. It's not what I've asked for. And as a result of Cain's identity being challenged as a result of Cain, uh, his, his want, uh, his, his want and style of worship being challenged, it leads then to violence, which the outcome of which is the death of Abel, the person who is truly following God. If we relate this back to Revelation 13, we have a bunch of people who are worshiping the beast because it enables them to worship self. And in their worship of the beast, uh, the opposite of that, or those who are worshiping the beast, are then attacked and they're persecuted and they're killed. Because, again, what do the people who are worshiping God look like in this time? They keep the commandments of God. They worship God out of obedience rather than worshiping out of self-service, uh, which is the, what those who are worshiping the beast do. Now, what this leads to, if we continue to read in Revelation chapter 13, uh, would you be able to read verse 16 and 17 for us? He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the name or the num- sorry, or the number of his name. Mm. So, this mark of the beast is enforced, and one of the practical um, applications of it, you know, pragmatically, it stops people from who aren't worshipping the beast or receiving the mark of the beast to be able to buy and sell. Now, that is a huge 
hampering factor in someone's life. Yeah. And this is where we talked about, okay, many people would be convinced to worship the beast or to worship this end time entity rather than worship God because of the signs it produces. They're like, yep, I want to do that. But then for people who are, you know, know the truth and decide not to worship the beast, it then tries to force them by enforcing this rule of not being able to buy and sell. And if you try to buy and sell while worship, not worshiping the beast, you'll be led to be killed. And I think this gives us some information or some context as to how the parable of the ten virgins plays out. We have this parable, Matthew 25. It is a parable. It's obviously symbolic. We have five wise virgins who who are following Jesus. Oh, well, actually, all ten virgins are following God. They all have the Bible. They all, you know, have the Holy Spirit. They all are waiting for Jesus to return. One, five of those virgins have oil, the Bible says, that all they they gain themselves for themselves more oil, which is a, a representation of the Holy Spirit, which we've seen so far this week. The Holy Spirit is the thing that enables us to have the faith of Jesus to endure patiently throughout persecution. So the five wise virgins have that. The foolish ones don't get this oil. They don't get this Holy Spirit. So then they don't have the faith of Jesus and they aren't able to endure. And we know that whilst the bridegroom came and those with the oil or the Holy Spirit, they were waiting for Jesus to come and they went in to uh, the, the wedding banquet. Those who didn't have oil were left out. And, you know, again, this is a parable ultimately pointing to those who didn't have the Holy Spirit didn't weren't able to participate in you know going to heaven and receiving salvation and this is ultimately because um they they didn't have this faith of Jesus they didn't persist through the end times and we see this practically playing out that when they are then pressured as we see here with this persecution of not being able to buy and sell because they don't have that patient endurance that Jesus gives them they crumble they fall under pressure and they end up worshiping the beast and they end up worshiping self instead of worshiping Jesus. So the question is, okay, which side do we want to be on? We want to be on Jesus' side. So then what do we need? We need the Holy Spirit. How can we receive it? We need to ask him. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM and we don't have any more quizzes to do we've just got answers and we've just got winners so i guess all that's left is to spin that wheel shell oh and the wheel is spinning we we can't hear it but it is it's it's going around and around oh there we go there we go okay the wheel it's spinning it's slowing down and and we have a winner congratulations janelle we'll be getting your copy of Daniel, Practical Living in the Judgment Hour. We're getting that out to you. Thank you, everyone, for playing our quiz. Now, give us some answers, Monica. We All need right. those answers. The two birds that Noah sent out from the ark to check if the water had dried up was the raven and the dove. Jezebel died by being thrown out of a window. I'm pretty sure she got eaten by dogs as well. Uh, true or false, Jesus said washing hands is never important. That is a false he said, dirty hands don't make a person spiritually unclean, but you still get germs. <laughs> Who was the high priest during the time of Zechariah? It was Joshua. 
And what Roman ruler expelled all the Jews out of Rome in the days of the early church? It was Claudius. Mmm, Claudius. Claudius. That one was difficult. I don't think anyone got yeah, that, that was a rough one. correct. But, hey, <laughs> I, I love that you guys have been playing the quiz well this week as we've had prizes every single day, which has been a, a huge blessing. And we encourage you to keep playing the quiz there. But, oh, man, there were some pretty morbid stories in our quiz, quiz today, particularly, you know, Jezebel being chucked out the window and fight <laughs> dogs. That is a gnarly way to to go out. Um, but, yeah, we were also talking about our Bible study about the persecution that will come to those who are following Jesus. And I think the important thing here to know and to understand, it's like, okay, so we have a situation in which Miraculous signs are done uh, by the beast, the institution that is trying to lead people away from the worship of God. Many people are convinced, but not those who are following Jesus. So its second tactic is persecution. And at the threat of persecution, that's when people turn away. And at persecution itself, it's at the threat of persecution and people being persecuted. And the Bible calls this type of persecution um, a, a persecution level such as there never was. It's this wild persecution that takes place. But we also know it's like, okay, they're going to be persecuted. And then there are people who are going to turn to the beast. But the question is, okay, but those who are truly following God, are they going to die here for their witness? Now, when we come to Revelation 20, the Bible says that uh, that, you know, we in heaven are those who have been, you know, beheaded for the witness of Christ, those who are ultimately martyred and given their lives for, for God. Simultaneously, we also see when we come to Revelation 14, is that those people who are truly following God, the 144,000, are protected by him, uh, you know, sharing his message throughout the world. And yes, while there is persecution coming, there, there is this level of comfort that comes with it as well. And I look at the story of Paul. I look at Philippians chapter 4 and, you know, when he's saying, I've learned how to be with and I've learned to be without. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I see his testimony in, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I believe. It's either 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians. I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where he talks about how he was just totally and utterly persecuted uh, by even the Jews, his own countrymen, you know, beaten five times, whipped with rods, 39 lashes, twice over, um, how he was uh, shipwrecked, he was robbed, he, you know, he went through all kinds of peril and trouble. I look at those who stood for God during the period of the Reformation. I look at the likes of Jerome and Huss, who were burned at the stake for what they believed. Yet, all of them, I don't see them complaining. And particularly when we look at Jerome and Huss, when they're burning at the stake, the, we know from history that they were burning singing hymns, which is absolutely insane. And so what I see here is that despite this persecution, with God giving us this faith of Jesus, this spirit to be able to get through, there is this level of comfort that comes with that. Of, and I don't want to say comfort in terms of the spirit will give you a mansion and cars and money. No, comforting the the weary soul. Like God is helping us get through. And I think it's so important to realize, okay, whatever may come, 
God has a solution that is better. He is going to comfort. He is going to help. He is going to stand with us and get us through. And all we need to do is continually ask Jesus to be working in our lives, to be working in our hearts, the Holy Spirit, to be touching us, transforming us, and changing us, and making us more like Jesus. You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. And we've come to the end of the show. Why don't we give stuff away for free? Yes, this month, this is the month of June. P.S. Only 200 days left till Christmas. Uh, <laughs> so for the month of June, we're doing, uh, we're doing the Sabbath gift. We've got, we've got several Sabbath spotlights. We have a Sabbath challenge where you keep each Sabbath for the month of June. Just to see, you know, if you have never kept a Sabbath before, it's a op- great opportunity to start, uh, from sundown Saturday, uh, Sabbath, um, sorry, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday night is the Sabbath. Um, and you can keep that. You can message into Faith FM, let you know what, uh, let us know what you thought about keeping the Sabbath, how you experienced it. Uh, you can go to sabbathgift.info is the website for more information. You can request a free book offer, um, which is called the Sabbath gift. You can take the Sabbath challenge. You can visit Hope Channel. You can request a Bible study. It's a really wonderful, um, uh, challenge, uh, um, initiative from Faith FM. Uh, you can, uh, Text the code word Sabbath to whatever show you usually listen to on Faith FM, and uh, and yeah, we'll get you in to the uh, prize job for the Sabbath as a gift. So, wonderful uh, initiative, Sabbath challenge. Get on top of it. Absolutely, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Text Sabbath to our number, and you'll be able to get that prize for free. Monica, what are you up to? I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go study. I have a, an exam tomorrow. Oh. And so I'm just... I'll keep you in prayer. What, do you, what is the exam? Torah. So oh. first five books of the Bible. I'll just, you know, just read them all today. And yeah, then, nice. Then, <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, remember to talk faith, to live faith, and to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.